Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. When you have incredible people on your podcast, sometimes you've got to go the extra mile and dress up. And, and I knew when I saw this guy's profile picture and he's sitting in a tuxedo, I thought, I have got to raise my game because as most of you know, I could be rocking a hoodie or I could be wearing a hat or anything, but not when Brian Esposito is in the house. you got to bring your A game with your wardrobe with when Brian Esposito is in the house. He is the founder, and I love this, of Time is Our Most Precious Commodity. He's a CEO, investor, board member, advisor, public speaker. What else, What more could you do, Brian Esposito, than come on the Intentional Encourager podcast? And what a joy it is to have you today. Oh, thank you, sir. It's, it's an honor to be here, and you're styling, so I like the threads. You're looking good. Well, I always say when you look like this from the neck up, you have to overcompensate from the neck down. So it, it's it, it's just a function of the way I live life. And so, you know, with a little bit of product in the beard to keep the gray away and a, a nice shirt and, and, a, and a jacket. I'll tell you this. I learned how when I was losing, we were talking before we started recording. I had weight loss surgery 12 years ago, and I learned how to, you know, because I was blowing through clothes. I learned how to go to thrift stores and shop pretty affordably. And so I've always been in the last 12 years or so, if I can't buy it on sale, I don't buy it. And so that's, you know, I try to be as, as resourceful as I can be. Speaking of res resourceful, let's start here. And I, I've been asking folks this on every podcast through the pandemic. I want to know what's different in your world from January of 2020 to January of 2021, as you have navigated, like so many others, through the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Unfortunately, or fortunately, nothing's different for, for me. I've, I've been accustomed to problems and hurdles and speed bumps, challenges, and I always just on the fly knew how to pivot, how to survive, what needed to be done. To me, this was just yet again another problem. Not, while it was happening, nobody realized the severity of it or how long it would go on. But, you know, my habits are, are burnt into me, uh, good or bad, for a very long time. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. So, you know, I was just, um, I woke up every day like I normally do, try to get through the day as best as I can, try to put a smile on my face at some point during that day, try to accomplish some good things and uh, get to meet and work with great people. So that's... Um, and that's been my model forever, uh, pre, during, and hopefully post, uh, post COVID. So hope that's a decent answer, but that's the truth. That's a great answer because I've, I've talked to so many people, Brian, that, that have said, well, this changed in my life and this changed for me, it was the margin and the room to start the podcast and write my book. And, and so for me, it was, although I didn't see it at the time, it was a blessing in disguise to have the ability to be able to do what I've had been doing from a business standpoint, did you feel like your businesses were insulated to, to go through those types of things? Because I've talked to people that said, I wasn't prepared for this because of this scenario that happened in my business or that scenario that happened in my business. 
you felt like nothing changed for you. And I love that answer. Um, it tells me that you were resolute, but, but how did you insulate yourself through the changes that, that, that inox inexplicably happened in the pandemic to the business world? Yeah. The only way I can answer that is, you know, I was always afraid of having one egg in one basket, a hundred eggs in one basket. So when I built my first company in the late nineties, it was, the, it was a beauty company. And, and because, you know, that was, I was dedicating so much time and energy and we had growth and we had setbacks and then we had amazing ups, but then equally as horrible downs. And I said, I can't, do what I'm doing and, and rely solely on one business and one industry. So I started to diversify, not knowing what I was doing, but I would think of an idea. I'd create a product. I'd build a technology. I'd build a company. I'd go into different industries. And I just started building what, what is now an ecosystem. And the whole mindset is that it creates value. The whole vision behind it is that if one is down, another one helps equal out. Equal out. If they're all doing great, everything's moving up. But the idea is that they're always in motion and that they're always growing. And, and I just had that mentality again for over 20 years to, to diversify, not be uh, in a position where if the market didn't want what I was providing, I had nothing else to go to. Brian, I got to jump in there real quick. You said something really, really poignant there. The first thing that I love that you said was you were afraid of having one egg in one basket or 100 eggs in 100 baskets. And you talked about the diversification of companies. And, and I can hear people say this. It, the, the, the buzzword now is multiple streams of revenue, right? Everybody talks about, well, you've got to be have multiple streams of revenue. What you're talking about, though, is much more powerful and much more poignant and far more impactful. And that's diversification across multiple platforms. Because there's a difference in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, I want to go here with you for just a minute. I, I loved what you said there. Talk about the importance of diversification, not only for revenue stream generation, but protecting the revenue streams that are already in place. And here's where I want to, and here's the color I want to add around that question. I have a creek behind my house. There's a stream of water there. But we've had to do things to shore up the bank so that that bank keeps that stream in place. So we've taken something, we've, we put resources there to make sure that that stream always flows in the direction it's supposed to flow in. How are you able to do that with those diversified streams that you had in making sure you kept all of those streams flowing in the right direction? Yeah, I, lo I love that you just went and related it to water because I, I, I often, when I do these discussions or I'm speaking with people, I compare my worth and what I want to see as, as a flowing stream of water. It looks inviting. It looks refreshing. You want to go and play in it. You want to maybe drink it. I mean, but nobody wants to go. You would not want to go drink or play <laughs> in the creek behind my house. I can maybe promise that you one. that. Maybe not that I, one. It, it looks it looks decent when when the water's nice and clear. But but you know over the years there, and, and I, I got I don't mean to, to hijack that. But but Fine. you know, I, I the resourcefulness. My my wife's grandparents owned this property that we're on for many years. There are tires back there that that they use because they didn't have 
access to concrete and things like they just took what they had to try to shore it up there are tires from like the 1950s and 60s that are embedded in the side of that of the of the bank you can't see it from the from the yard but if you if you looked over <laughs> any so, white wall any white wall tires uh, no no those would be dug up immediately and sold that would be you cleaned and sold but but no, you wouldn't want. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there. But no, no, yeah, you would not want to play in this West Virginia Creek. I can minus promise you. That creek minus anything in Flint, Michigan. Take take <laughs> that. Man. I love it. We don't mean to offend our Michigan viewers and listeners, uh, praying but praying for you daily. Praying for you. Yes, daily. yes, yes, yes. But again, how did you? What what was it like for you? And, and I I get when you are talking there. I have to believe that it was intentional for you to protect those streams, almost be an environmentalist for the revenue streams that you have, doing what you could to, to make sure that those streams not only were flowing, but they were as clean as possible. So take me through how you, how you began to do that with your company. Sure. And it's, it's easy for someone with my mindset to do that because I'm not money oriented. To, to me, I, I often say money's a byproduct of doing something you love. Or you know, there's a there's a great saying, you know, follow the passion, follow your passion, and then the money will also follow. So I was really protecting my time and I was protecting my integrity and 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 who I am in the business world. I'm, I don't care if I fail or if I fall on my face because it's important to do that as you build that. Um, I often compare business leaders to professional athletes. It's training. It's having wins. It's having losses. It's getting that, getting beaten up a lot so you know how you can survive and how you can pivot. So when I was building all these different companies and ultimately building what is now a holding company wholly owned by myself at the top, and there's uh, at the end of last year, there's 65 entities w within it, over 150 joint ventures around the world. And what what has happened now is that I can create value almost instantaneously. I can look at that holdings and look at the market conditions and say, what do we need to make? What do we need to create? What is the market demanding that we have access to? Brian, we I love that there. I, I've got to jump. I've got to jump in there. I, I love. I love that. I love the comparison between business leaders and professional athletes. And I'm reminded of a quote from, from a movie back in the 70s called North Dallas 40. Great movie. And there's, yeah, there's a quote where Nick the guy, Nolte? yeah, Nick, Nick Nolte. Nolte. The guy says he, he's, he's negotiating with the owner and he, he tells the owner, he says, you tell me it's a bit, you, I say it's a game, you say it's a business. I say it's a business, you say it's a game. And, and so a lot of times great athletes know their value to the team that they play for. And if they don't feel like the value is there for them to stay, you know, notice what's happening in the NBA. A lot of guys are coming together. They're forcing trades and, and they're manipulating things to come together because they feel like the value to be on a championship team, they'll get the money back later. The, 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 the greater value is winning a championship because it's so hard to win a championship. It, it is incredibly hard to win a championship. I love what you said there. Thank you. So what was the one thing as you looked at professional athletes and you looked at business leaders, 
What was the one common denominator that you found in your study of those two things that really helped you and your companies as you as you began to diversify? Sure. So uh, I was also a baseball player, was uh, really training early on to become somewhat of a professional athlete, whether it was single A, double A, triple A, trained every day, trained under. I uh, admire you because I didn't have the fastball to get past high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of a one-trick pony. If I couldn't get him out with 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 movement and location, I was done, man. <laughs> well, thankfully, I wasn't a pitcher. I was a second base utility player. But what I learned there is you you need a team to win. Uh, even if you're looking at a professional golfer, he may be out there by himself, but there is a lot of people behind him or her that allow them to perfect their trait obviously support their career. So in any professional sport, there is a team around them. Uh, I can even be a nutritionist, uh, physical therapy. It doesn't matter. It's across the board. It can be anything. Um, I think because of that training and knowing you got to work something every day, basically day and night, you breathe it, you eat, you eat it, you sleep it. And there's no difference between being that mentality and starting a business. You can't start a business and, you know, maybe I'll go in today. Maybe I'll call that person back. If, if you act like that in professional sports or, or amateur sports and, and, and then you act like that as an entrepreneur, you are, you're not going to succeed. And you need to know uh, there's going to be setbacks, much like batters go into slumps. But that's okay. They practice, they train, they figure out what, what am I doing different? What is it? What is a new habit I picked up that's affecting my swing or am I picking my foot up too early? And the same thing happens in business. When you have those setbacks, you, you can't just sit there and say, okay, well, it's over. No, learn from it. I am a firm believer and for a very long time, and, and, it, and it may sound naive to some people, but I do believe everything most certainly happens for a reason. Every decision you make, every action you make leads to where you presently are today. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I, I believe in fate. I believe in destiny, but I also want people to believe, including myself, that we do have some control over that, that our actions are actually meaningful and they actually are part of our purpose and part of our decision-making. Uh, so uh, to answer your question very longly, um, Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. No, I love it because I, I, I think you're, you're hitting on something there because I think every business person, whether they're a small business owner or they're a leader of a company or they, they, they ascend to a leadership position, feels like that they have got to hit everything. And I love what you said there about a baseball player. I've been a lifelong baseball fan. I've been a lifelong Reds fan. 
probably noticed behind me, I've got a couple of baseballs there from my, I've, I've got my high school hat and my son's high school baseball hat. And, and those two baseballs behind me were from my son's last two games in high school. He was, he was a left fielder. Yeah, he was a left fielder. He played, he was a lot better baseball player than I was. I'll tell you that well, a lot better athlete, but, but Brian in baseball, when you get to the major league level, if you can successfully hit the baseball and reach base through a base hit three out of 10 times, and you do oh, that man. consistently, you're hard. Yeah. I, I, I was talking to somebody about Hank Aaron. We just recently lost Hank Aaron. I was talking to somebody and I said, do you realize that Hank Aaron never hit more than 50 home runs in a season yet? He's the second leading home run hitter in baseball history because he would put up 35, 40, 45 every year. Just you could write it in, you know, 30, you know, on a down year, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs in the middle of that, that Braves lineup. And it didn't have to be gaudy. There are guys that put up guys. I think of a guy like Brady Anderson. He used to play for the Orioles. Brady Anderson hit 52 home runs. Brady Anderson will never sniff the Hall of Fame. Just because you have one tremendous life, life-altering life year right. doesn't mean you're going to be the home run champion at, at the end of the day like Aaron was. And, and I love that you really struck a nerve there with me with baseball because I grew up playing baseball, played all the way through high school. Um, I've always followed the game, and I've been amazed at how people – can't see that if you're just consistent a little bit of the time, like with baseball, you're consistent three out of ten times. Right, you're a great player. You're golden, yeah, you're golden. Yeah, what did you learn when? And we'll get into your story here in just a couple of minutes. Okay. What's something that you took from from being a baseball player that you that you applied in your business career? Because I I, I know that there are things that translate from the diamond to the business to the boardroom. So to Absolutely. Speak. It's a you know, practice, training, hard work, dedication, determination, uh, everything that applies to obvious to everything that applies outside of the actual physical activity, which will be, you know, making contact with the ball, making sure that you throw the ball correctly to the cutoff guy or to the first baseman outside of those um, obvious reasons, it is no different than, than, than being in the business world. And, if you're going to go into a meeting or a boardroom and you want the idea of a win, well, what does that mean to you? I mean, everybody has a different idea of a win. My opinion of a win, and, and, and this is why I'm invited into so many different rooms, is that I never go into that room with my hand out. I go into that room or into that meeting with the idea of adding value, with the idea of how are we more powerful, more effective, more profitable together? How do we create something together and become a monster win? Again, a team. I also, when I was playing ball, a lot of my best friends were on competing teams. In the moment, you know, you're competitors and you want to win. As soon as that ninth inning is over, you go have a drink together. You go celebrate. You you, you have that camaraderie. Brian, so, I'm having flashbacks. My my coach would come with his hand out and say, "Give me the ball. You're done." <laughs> <laughs> I can. I had a flashback. The picture I have behind me is my 15 year old All Star team. I found it hidden in a book. And I remember my coach, I was pitching an all-star game, 
and and my coach comes out and he he hands he 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 comes out and he sticks his hand out and I know he, if you're a pitcher you know the, the uh, that's a universal sign he got the hook and I wanted to flip the ball to him so bad like I am not done with this thing man I wanted but you know here's something else too this is a great lesson from baseball and I want to get your thoughts around this too and I didn't mean for us to go in this conversation but. I think there's a lot of relativity. Yeah. Oh, we're good. Keep it yeah. going. There's a lot of relativity in in athletics and business and leadership and things like that. A a pitcher, a starting pitcher, and I was a starting pitcher. I always had the mindset from the time I walked down and started warming up in the bullpen. My mindset was I'm going 7 innings which is a high school game, which is a regulation high school game. I'm going seven. That's the mindset. It's starting, it's finishing what you start. That's right. And having that mindset. I love what you said there. And let's let's pivot here for just a minute. Walking into a meeting with your hand out. I love that because what that does, and, and someone that values connection as I value connection, what that signals to me is I'm here to join forces with you in this meeting so that together we all get something that we want. Where did you learn that philosophy? How did that philosophy come to you? And tell me some of the outspring that you have seen from having that type of philosophy in, the, in a boardroom setting. Yeah, I, I I just was always in me. I always work better with people. I will always love the idea of that we're all here to help one another. Uh, anything else to me just doesn't make sense. I think that's why we're put on this earth. Some do it better than others, but some learn to do it at some point in their lives. If it comes later, at least at least they're doing it. Uh, I wish there was a specific person I could say, "Hey, this is where I got this from." But I've always just always had it inside of me that I'm not a taker. I'm generous to a fault. Uh, so, you know, I'll put my guns on the table and, and everything that I have on the table, full transparency. And, and then we just get to work. You know, there's, there's, there's the, the philosophy of doing great work with great people is so simple. Unfortunately, what gets in the way are uh, seven deadly sins. Uh, the top ones would be greed, ego, pride. Uh, if you can peel back that, with most people, um, and they could put their guard down. You can do anything. You can, and, and you can look at some of the things that companies and teams of people inside of companies or joint ventures of companies working together. Look at the accomplishments accomplishments they make. Look at the strides that they make. The other thing I want to touch on 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 comparing an athlete to a uh, an entrepreneur or a business person is your state of mind. And you touched on this a little bit. You cannot be frazzled. You cannot be riled up. You can't make good decisions if you're anxious, if you have, if your nerves are rattled. You need to be at ease with yourself. You need to be at ease with yourself. You know why you're why you're performing in, in a sport outside of like you know wrestling and mixed martial arts. You got to be pumped up. Football, you got to be pumped up. But you also have to have a certain mental calmness about you where you can perform. And you don't make the wrong decision or you don't make a, a mistake. And, and that applies so majorly in the, uh, in the business world where 
you know, there's emotions out there that get in the way of yeah. causing something great to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I often reference, you know, here, here's an example. If you got $86,400 in the bank and somebody steals $10 from you, would you go and spend the $86,390 you have left to get that $10 back? No. You know, the same thing applies to a day. There's 86,400 seconds in a day. If someone is to rob 10 seconds of your day, whether it's your happiness, if they rattled you a little bit, if they got on your nerves, you need to say a prayer for them, send them on their way, and you need to continue to move on and not let that person affect what could be a great day. Not let that person affect a major accomplishment that you can actually obtain that day. But too many people, and, and you know, I, I fall victim myself where you get upset, you get offended, and you start to just wonder why somebody did that. The, the biggest lesson I've learned is I cannot give somebody else my mentality. Yeah. They didn't go through my life lessons. They weren't raised in my household. The way that they think, that's on them. What I can control is not being affected by someone's actions or someone's words. And, and it's yeah. not easy, but if you can ever accomplish that, you have peace with yourself. And you're able to really do some amazing things and with amazing people. Well, you can turn that 10 seconds. If someone is trying to rob you or trying to bring negativity into you, I, I, I would say turn the 10. Turn that 10 seconds into a piece of intentional encouragement back to them or turn that 10 seconds back into and, – and it's it's like, okay, if someone took – if I had $86,400 in the bank and someone took $10, I say to myself, maybe they needed it more than I did. But then I can also go back and I can say, okay, well, I can turn that 10 back. And there's a beautiful thing about what you just said. When you, when you change that mindset, Brian, and you turn it in a different direction, then $20 comes back to you. That's right. In or, time. Yeah. Or good health. Or yeah, great or karma. good health. Yeah, not, exactly. Not always financial. Karma comes back in, in many forms. Yeah, and, and, and I said this on a post last year, and I love what you said there. And we'll, we'll pivot real quick here to your story, but I got to go here for just a minute. I love what you said about making decisions in the calm because we didn't see a lot of that from, from government leaders and, yeah. and, and people that were supposed to be just because someone tells you you're, they're a leader doesn't make them a leader. Not, no more than I can tell people I was, a, I was a great baseball player. Just because I tell somebody that doesn't make it the truth. And I saw a lot of leaders acting in fear yeah. instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, this is something we're not used to. Let's take a day. Let's take a deep breath. And again, to your point, my goodness, the greatest players, baseball, football, basketball. You know, I look at basketball players, a guy like Michael Jordan. It didn't matter if the whole building was against him. He was calm in the moment. That's right. You could see it in his face. Tom Brady, great example. Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's not going to be too – and even though Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were there last year and they won it, if if you're looking at the sidelines and there's a guy that's been there tw that for his second time, I'm going Brady, yeah. and a guy that's been there ten times, yeah. and by the way, engineered the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, down twenty eight to three to the Atlanta Falcons. 
I'm going to take the guy that continues to be internally calm and goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's exactly what we're going to do. I love, man, you are throwing out so many. I'm jotting down notes here for the show notes. And I'm already on page two. So, I man, you're you, doing a crossword puzzle. So, I'm glad you're taking that. Yeah, notes. I know. I, well, listen, it, it is. You mentioned time. When I go back and do these things and I put the show notes together, I was, I was going back and, and listening. So, I could, I get, and I thought, hey, dummy, just take notes while you're there. You have the notes already. It's fresh in your mind. Just save yourself a little bit of time. So, Brian, let's dive into your story. And this is a reason I wanted to have you on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Take me as far back as you want to take me from point A to how you got here and just tell your story. I'll be honest. So it's a little over 20 years now. Uh, ultimately, what, like I mentioned before, what I've built is a holding company. At the parent level, it's wholly owned by myself. Uh, it's Esposito Intellectual Enterprises. There are 65 companies in it as of the end of last year. And again, over 150 joint ventures that I've accumulated over the last 20 years. The uh, started in the beauty industry where I built the first B2B, B2C e-commerce platform in the late 90s uh, with, uh, again, teaching myself. I taught myself how to code. I taught myself how to create digital assets in a world where I can get people to choose our website, put their address and their credit card information on, which was in its infancy. People were not happy. Brian, what got you into the beauty business? I'm fascinated by that part because I would not have... You know, again, I am not, if somebody would say, hey, Brian Sexton, you should get into the beauty business. And I'm thinking, have you seen me? You know what I look like? You know, I I, I happen to marry up, but man, (laughs) what got you into the, I am fascinated. I I had to stop you there because I want to know, and I'm sure people want to know, how in the world did you get in the beauty business? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, family legacy, my father was a, uh, trained to be a hairdresser in the late 60s. He studied under Vidal Sassoon. Uh, and then he created a successful chain of salons with Grant's department stores. And then what ultimately became a very big success for him and what he's done for our family was he built a chain of stores uh, in the 70s and 80s uh, where people could come to him, whether they were a professional stylist or a retail consumer. And that wasn't, that wasn't done yet. Uh, so... Uh, he ultimately sold out to a company called Milo Beauty in the late 80s. Uh, but I got to experience that world with him. I got to see the excitement, the energy, and all the incredible people that he got to work with. And I got to watch him manufacture products. I'd be eight years old in in, in his nail care manufacturing building, and I'd be helping the uh, other employees fill bottles. I put the little brush in the bottle. I screw the cap on it. So I would do that for eight hours, and I'd have so much pride in my, you know, what I've built on my line, all the nail care products that I've built. And uh, and it's an exciting, wonderful industry. And um, so ultimately, the uh, non-compete ended. And in the late 90s, even though there was success there and a lot of great relationships, uh, I started fresh. And I, I started with a brand new medium, which, you know, he what he did with the stores in the 70s and 80s, I was now doing with the internet. So how did your father's influence on you? Did, did you kind of, and I don't know if your dad was still around when you started your company, but did you feel his influence? Did you feel his legacy? Did you feel a certain pressure and responsibility to go? My dad built something great. My dad has got, because I, I know when I joined my dad for the last 10 months of his life, working with his company, even though I was 40 years old at the time, I still felt that pressure. 
oh, to be to 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 carry on what what my dad did and the great things that he did. What, talk to me about the influence of your dad as you started your business and 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 how what he did influenced the way you started your company. Sure. Yeah, and he and he's still with us, thank God. Uh, but uh, I wanted to come back and show him everything I did and the excitement around it. If, you know, a father son, there is that balance of competitiveness yeah. <laughs> and then there's that balance of every son wants to make their father proud yeah uh, I, don't, I don't care what the relationship if it's good bad or ugly it's it's just it's what you want to do you want to you want to hear your father say i'm proud of you you want your father to you know a lot of fathers won't even tell their sons they're proud of them but they'll tell everybody else around the world and then they got the sons got to wait yeah for it to go back yeah in. that's right that's 100 percent right uh so there was um it was a lot of learning that I needed to do and by no means as anything negatively pointed at him, but I should have respected a lot of the accomplishments that I was doing and probably, probably worded them in a way where it didn't come across like maybe I'm doing better than you did. Uh, so yeah. I had to learn on how to communicate things because I wanted his support. Ultimately I needed his support. Um, and you may know, and when you go through this world, if, if you have one person next to you that, that you can rely on and that you can count on and that's there through good or bad, you're a very lucky person. You know, a lot of people surround themselves with just fluff. There's no substance there. So if you can have that and also have it be, in my case, your father, I was, I was craving that. Uh, but again, a lot of it fell poorly on me because when I needed help or guidance, you know, I reflect back and I, I could tell I didn't do it correctly. I should have not... I should have listened more, but also worded in a way like there's a new norm here. What you did was amazing. That world's different. How can we take what you've done and the and and the challenges that you went through and apply those learning experiences to now what I'm dealing with? Because you can't oh, yeah. you can't take yeah. that chapter of your life and say, Well, this is what I did. You should do this. I said, You're right, but what made you do that? And because we have to do something completely different here. So like I, again, it falls on me. Do you think your dad? How do you think your dad's company would have fared in in today's culture? Because you were talking about, you know, from the from the the middle '60s through the '80s, that was in a lot of ways the glory days of that industry, with a lot of the changes and the innovations and things like that. And I, I I've I've seen I've done some case studies on, you know, that was the explosion of the Mary Kay company. In, right. in that time where they just exploded in growth. And, and uh, my friend, Tom Ziegler, his father, Zig worked with, with Mary Kay and did sales training and things like that. That industry exploded. How do you think your dad and his companies would have fared today with the internet and, and, and all, because it seems like that, that there are so many imitators and so many replicators out there in the marketplace. Has your dad ever talked about, you know, Hey, if I were in business today, I might, do this differently have you guys ever had those those types of conversations comparing then and now and how the business is yeah well he still manufactures beauty products the beauty industry is recession proof it's proven to be now pandemic proof uh that's a great point that is such a good point please say that again that is such a great point you know just repeat it one more time yeah just yeah the beauty industry has always been recession proof and has proven to be pandemic proof uh wow. prior to education it was always liquor cigarettes gambling beauty those were the recession proof industries to me beauty is the only one that that, that could still proudly say that there's always innovative innovation 
there's always people wanting to try new products. There's there's there is the mentality of women, and now men are are falling into that category. Well, they'll spend their last dollar to look good because it makes them feel good, and that's pretty much the the core of the beauty industry. Uh, but if my dad didn't sell, uh, there's no doubt that he would have been the beautiest, biggest beauty company in the world. He would have been bigger than Sephora, Ulta, Sally's. He he had the most profitable stores in the industry. He had access to the best brands. So he would have continued to just crush it. Uh, and he would have evolved. He would have, it was easy. he was always forward thinking. Um, but um, yeah, so to answer your question, uh, no doubt in my mind, he would have just continued to excel. When you were developing your company, and, and and we alluded to it earlier, what take me to that moment as you built your business where you and we talked about it, and I want to go back and revisit this a little bit because I think it really adds color to the story because I think people are saying to themselves, "I do this well." But I know there's something else that I can do. There's something else I can impact. There's something else I can touch. What was that moment for you when you said, there's something else that I can do that I can impact with what I've done in the beauty business? There's something else I can impact. Because you you mentioned earlier, taking that diversification path and, and, and things like that. When was that V8 moment for you that you said, there's, there's other things that can be done here? Yeah, well, I felt it from the beginning. But I didn't execute it until 2015, 2016. So I've been I've been doing what I knew I should should have been doing really for only four years now. Uh, so that's a regret that I have uh, because the model that I built that was successful, if you look at it just financially, it was not successful in my self worth or making sure that I was doing what I love to do every day and that I was making a positive impact because I know I'm a connector. Uh, and and I can connect A and B, and I remember somebody that I met 12 years ago that talked about something that they do, and then I meet somebody today that's in that same space. My brain just fires off. We got to connect these two people. And I did that my entire life, and what I didn't do correctly was making sure that I was part of that journey with them because I was a key piece. The connector is such an important piece of anything. The problem with a lot of connectors is they don't know when to just let it happen. They don't know, they don't know when to just keep their mouth shut and they don't let it evolve and flourish because then they start to feel insecure. They start to feel left out. They start to feel like maybe I'm not part of it. And, and I did that because I want to see people succeed. And I ultimately- Have you always- read- Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I want you to go check out my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the ultimate people person, my dad. My dad was the ultimate connector and the ultimate intentional encourager. And he shared with me 10 connecting lessons that I'm gonna share with you in this book, interwoven with stories and personal anecdotes that will help you really see what connecting is truly all about. If you wanna be a more powerful, stronger, deeper connector, whether you're in ministry or leadership or sales, you own a business, Whatever you want to do that connects you with people and you want to connect with them stronger, deeper, and more powerfully, People Buy From People is for you. I want you to go to Amazon.com and search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton. It's available in paperback and Kindle and coming soon, excited about this, coming soon to Audible. Thank you in advance for picking up a copy of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to a great conversation 
here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. If you've been reading People Buy From People, my, my book, because I talk, I, I got, that is so brilliant. I talk about that in the book because and there's a section in the book about where I talk about, I, I've spent some time in the heavy duty rotating electrics industry. And I talk about engagement between the starter and the flywheel. Years ago, it was a, a pounding type thing. And now it's a meshing yeah. together. I love what you said there about forcing connect. You know, there's so many people that think I have to connect with this person because they're going to help me get to where I want to be, or I have to connect with these people and they force connections, Brian. I love what you said there. Where was that? Had that always been present in your life, learning how to smoothly make connections or was it something that you had to work and develop? No, always. What I had, the, what I, what, the formula that I had to perfect was it's not just connecting the right people. There's a, there's a second sentence to that. It's connecting the right people at the right time. So you have to be patient. You have to nurture it. And, and when you're building a re relationships with people, you can't just reach out to them when you need something or when you want to do something. And this, this, is, this is exhausting as a connector, but as someone that loves relationships and as someone that really loves people, as I, I really do, it's sending them a happy birthday, give them, the call, give them a call and ask them how their kids are. It's Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, hope you're having a great Easter. And then, then someone learns that this is a genuine person that's reaching out to me. There's no ulterior yeah. motive. So when you do want to accomplish something, those people will take your call. Or if they miss you, they'll call you right back. So you know, when you want to accomplish something, you cannot be deflated if it doesn't happen in 20 seconds. It, it takes a lot of relationships. Like if, I saw, if I see someone that I maybe admire and I'll like their post on LinkedIn or I'll comment them on Twitter, I know what I want to accomplish. And it, it sometimes it takes me two, three years to get it to a place where now's the right time to elevate that digital relationship that I've yeah. done. Now's the right time to make something happen because the trust is there. The foundation is there. M people are impatient. Uh, and that's just, and they never come with their why Brian, they never come with, with the, you know, they never come with the why behind connecting. You know, I may see a post you and I may not be connected when we were, and we are obviously, but, but I may see something that you've written that inspires me and prompts me to connect. But a lot of people that I see on social media platforms will just hit that connect button or that follow button instead of going, hey, Brian, you made a post about this. Yeah, That resonated with me because of that. And Some for substance. that reason, I would love to connect with you and develop a relationship because I think you have more to add value to me. To, I, I never see that. I very rarely see that. And it's so powerful, Brian. Why, why do you think people don't lead with their why in connecting? I, I, you're the perfect person to ask that to. Insecurity, fear. They don't, they don't want to hear no. They don't want to hear uh... – and laziness. I mean, it depends on the age group. I've, I'm an old soul. I don't really belong in this era, but I accept it. I'm here. So it is what it is. So I could be surrounded by a thousand people and I'll feel alone, but I'm, I'm at, I'm at terms with that or I have, um, at peace with that. 
Yeah. Uh, everybody wants instant gratification. Uh, somebody wants to to like something and get an immediate deal back or get an immediate. And if they don't, they're like, oh, well, that forget them. You, but you didn't even do anything. <laughs> what do you mean forget them? You need to work it. You need to. You don't just. You don't just put a carton of eggs on the stove and all of a sudden you got an omelet. Like you need to. You need to work it. You need to make sure that it all comes together, and and you need to massage it. It just. It's it's laziness and it's insecurity that or a lot of people think you should just go through a drive through and they should have your omelet ready and they should just know what you want on that omelet and and just have it waiting for you when your car pulls up right but yeah but where where's the joy in that where's the reward in that in in creating it and, and and making it happen opposed to just demanding it to happen yeah i don't i mean to each their own i don't judge anybody but i know i know what i do and i know how i respect relationships and how i respect people um and 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 we all our days are slammed right now i mean whether they're yeah. trying to survive and get through yeah. the day you got a kid crying in the background you lost your job you're trying to figure out zoom calls you're doing math lessons with your other kid and and then, <laughs> yeah. and, then and then you got to deal with your me. internet's <laughs> crappy because you live in west virginia you know <laughs> <laughs> and the, the day is nuts the day is just complete nuts it was yeah. crazy january uh, december of 2019 and now it's 10 times you know even more crazy but it, yeah my point i'm trying to make is there's a lot of noise out there so if you want to break through with somebody that you see that can add value to your world or that you know you can add value to their world you just have to work it you have to just nurture that opportunity yeah. be consistent and um and not be afraid if, if someone just says no. I have a, I'm not going to tell the name, but I screenshotted an incredible thing that happened to me the other day. And, um, and, and I love this person for calling me out on it. Uh, let's just say it's a Fortune 10 company. And, I, and one of our holdings, I just know that that company is missing something. I know we have a slug that we can put in there that would just be a phenomenal win. And the exact words were, actually, let me see, I have a screenshot of here. It's the CEO. Because you will not give up, let's talk Tuesday. I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's just perfect. How outstanding is that? I love that. that. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I, I guess I, a lot of people. He, he couldn't ignore you. And, and that's the thing, Brian. He could have blo blocked me, but exactly. because of well, the way I was talking and the way that I was right. representing myself, yeah. there, he felt something there. Yeah, because you created connection. And, and and again, that's why I wrote the book People Buy From People is because I, I believe this wholeheartedly. And and I want to ask you a couple more questions and, and still be respectful of your time in the audience. But I've got to go here for just a second. People do not understand. There's a lot of people that don't understand. People don't buy things. They buy the connection that those things bring them. That's right. And so they buy connection first, and then it's transaction. See, a lot of people have it the other way around. It's transaction, then connection. It's like, okay, you buy, then now we have a relationship. No, if you don't, if you don't connect first, you don't get to the transaction stage. And that's so right. that's that that is so that is so beautiful. And by the way, man, I'm cheering for you. You got to let us know how that how that turned out. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. Take me through the biggest obstacle, personally, professionally, that you faced, and and the greatest lesson you learned from it. Yeah, so uh, February of 2016, got into a head-on car accident. Four o'clock in the afternoon, just outside of Nashville, a drunk driver hit me head-on. Um, 
worst moment of my life. Uh, my whole world turned upside down. Um, mentally, I was dealing with post-concussion issues, could not answer two plus two. It would take me 10, 14 seconds to, to give you that answer. Uh, and everybody that I thought was a, a friend, an employee, partner, nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found to help me get through that. Nowhere to be found to help me navigate through that storm. Now, I'm not talking personal. I, I very rarely talk personal life. But when I do these, I'm always talking business and, and that world. And companies and employees, I mean, I, I co-sign for cars for employees. I co-sign for homes for employees. Some with me for a very long time. And when I was ripped out of that world, I realized I was the one doing everything. I realized my generosity and the way that I gave, I was always last to eat. And, you know, at the end of the year, if there's any crumbs, I would, I would take the crumbs or I would reinvest the crumbs back into the, into the company. Very, very wrong model. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful that that woman hit me because I'm still here. And I often joke, if I'm not, then we're, we're all dead, but let's just say we're all alive and I'm yeah. still here. Uh, that woman could have killed somebody, could have ruined a family. So I'll take the hit. I took the hit, proud to take the hit. That that moment woke me up once I could get back to some sort of normalcy that my model was wrong. No matter if I was making money or not, the model was wrong. And it forced me to make a lot of important decisions. It forced me to focus on what I can control. And it forced me to say, and it's this isn't a this isn't a sad statement that I believe professionally again, I'm in this world alone. If I have somebody in my corner and they're there fighting with me, I'm honored to have them there. If they're not there fighting with me, I'm not angry about it. You know, they, they have a family, they have responsibilities and maybe not their fight to fight. So I, I, I chose a road that most people don't choose. I could, have, I could have went through that moment and been mad and been bitter and been angry at the world and, and probably justifiably rightfully so. But I chose to say, all right, well, I need, I have a lot of decisions I need to make. I have a lot of changes I need to make and I'm going to fight back and come, and I'm going to come back on top. So I went from on top of the world to buried underneath the world and then fighting back without a shovel, without a spoon to dig out, without, without someone's hand to help pull me up. And, and I'm glad for that because I, I know I'm here for a reason. I shouldn't be here. So my story and my journey is not yet done. And I feel that I've been put here to help people, help startups, help companies grow, help people accomplish their dreams. I, I love that it took me years of abuse and the things that I went through. You know, I, I tried to write a book once and I can't even. I've been through so much awful experiences that nobody needs to go through. But now when I get to work with companies and I get to work with people and I get to meet people, I can reflect back to those experiences and I can create a a path for them not to be on. I could say, don't do that because I did that and it was wrong. And it wasn't wrong because of the wrong time. It, it, is a, it is a timeless wrong move and I did it. Do not do that. So I, 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 I'm actually protecting companies now and I'm protecting people. And, and I feel self-worth and I feel it's very rewarding. And you know, to answer your question, that was one of the worst moments of my life, but I managed to flip it around. It took me, took me till now right really to 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 feel good about everything and understand what was that what that was all about and and finally doing what i love to do man that is so powerful and that's the reason that we have the intentional encourager podcast is the people you see 
I want to be the guy that tells her story. And that was so powerful. I would love, I've, I've got to do, I've got to ask you this from what you just said. Do you remember the moment you, you, you know, post-concussion syndrome and syndrome is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you, you kind of feel like you're in a fog for All weeks, you months. You Unless you've been there, you can't understand it. Yeah. Do you remember that moment that clarity started coming back to you and you began to understand what you were just talking about, how you lifted everybody else while suppressing the things that were important to you and things like, do you remember that moment of clarity after the, after the accident? Yeah. But it had to take me a little over a year to get to that point, but I'll tell you what, my, my clarity was stronger than it was before the accident. When I, when I, when everything was back, I guess you can say, and my, my ability to fire thoughts and, and calculate and understand was there. Um, it was stronger than before. But it was because it, it was stronger than before without all the weight and baggage and BS that I was carrying with me and all these people that I was in my world that weren't adding any value that were just just drains on my soul, drains on my energy tank, uh, drains on my time, which is a that's that's really why I focus on you know time is our most precious commodity because I know how precious it is. I mean, I'm the youngest of four, so I come from a big Italian family, but because I'm 10, 12, 13 years younger than my siblings, I was at a funeral every month. Like, there was just aunts and uncles and grandparents dying. Like, <laughs> I can empathize. By, I'm from I'm a big family. Yeah. I'm like, this is – so I know that, you know, I'm just – I know that I understood death very early. Which, we, we always joked in my family, the only time we had a family reunion was when somebody died. Yeah. Deaths or weddings, and I yeah. was – more sympathy cards than wedding cards I had to buy. Yeah. And um well and then you hit me with the accident and, and all this other stuff. And I know we're we're not here for a long time. And even if you live a hundred years, that's not a long time. Like every just think how fast the days go by. Yeah. And you gotta make sure that you're you're doing what you love every day. And it sounds corny, but if you're not doing what you love, figure it out. And you can't just I know you got mortgages, you got pay, you got bills, you got payments, so you can't just stop doing that and go somewhere else. But you, you got to put up a, a plan in place and do a do a switch somewhere, and you got to do what you love, and you got to make sure you can handle your responsibilities. But I, I hate seeing people stuck in that rut and and um, and not doing what they love. It's an awful thing to see. Man, so share with people that the, this is the my last question for you. And my goodness, what a, what a powerful conversation! Thank you for being so transparent with sharing your story. Share with folks your biggest piece of intentional encouragement, Brian. That I want to give to the world. Help me yeah. with that question. Yeah, again. yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's that's a tough. That's never been asked that question. Um. Good. I, I'm glad you've never been asked that question. I want to. I don't want to ask you questions that, that everybody else has oh, asked you. I, yeah. I don't want to either. I just don't even know how to even go about answering that. I I know, I know. I love to be there for people. Like I, I, I love, I love to encourage others. This is gonna, I don't even know how to describe this. I I, I feel encouragement. <laughs> I feel like I'm in third grade. When I see somebody accomplishing their dreams and I know that I'm there to help them accomplish that or I'm, I'm a piece of that journey, to me, that is the, the best feeling in the world. And 
and I'm kind of, I'm, 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 it's actually like a drug to me. I'm addicted to companies and people reaching out to me and asking me for help, asking me for guidance. And, uh, and then I can actually see, I, I actually, I've seen it hundreds of times now where people's light is brighter after, I'm not saying it's all me, but they, they, they thank me. They're like, I can't believe that yeah. you put my life and I, I don't know. That gives me self-worth. I don't need or want anything. So it's difficult for me to say, you know, what, what encourages me. That, it's not things. It's not, it's not a nice watch and a nice car. What I love to see is other people succeed. And I, and I love to be a part of that journey and to be a, a foundation for them, a rock for them, because I didn't have that. So I don't know if I'm answering your question right, because it's such a great question, but I don't, I don't know how to answer that except that I love to encourage others. And that's how I feel, feel connected to this earth. No, it's, it, you answered it. The, the, listen, there's no right or wrong way to answer a question. It's, it's the way you, you feel about it. And that is encouraging enough is, is, is seeing the success of others lifting your spirit and become addicting. We need more of that, Brian, just to be perfectly honest. We need more of that in this world is, is just empowering and helping other people tell folks how they can connect with you on your social media platforms. And I would strongly highly encourage you to, to connect with Brian Esposito. Well, thank you, Brian. So I use LinkedIn and Twitter. Brian J Esposito would be my name and handle on those platforms. I don't use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Trillo. I mean, I use Twitter, um, Trillo, TikTok, any other Snapchat. I don't, I don't play in those worlds. And then my corporate uh, website is eie.rocks, so eie.rocks, and you can also reach out to me there through email. I really get back to everybody within an hour or two. I, I respect people's time when they sit down behind a screen and write me something. That takes a lot of courage, so I never downplay it. And I appreciate everybody that reaches out to me, and I always try to make myself available. Brian Esposito, this has been a phenomenal fabulous conversation. I appreciate you joining us today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I appreciate it as well. Make sure you play Bruce Springsteen Glory Days during our baseball chats in the background. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a way to do it, we yeah, I'll have to uh I'll have to see if I can uh dub that in there and and play Glory. There's there's probably some got a copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, but yeah. I was just thinking Glory Days while we were chatting. Well, yeah, that's it would have to be Glory Days for me cuz those days are long gone. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you, sir. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, anytime, and any place can be an intentional.